I could say to someone, you know, tell me about a time you failed and they can give me their quick two, three sentence answer that they've probably had before because it's a pretty standard question you get asked in an interview or something like that. Right. So people, everyone's got that canned answer, but they don't always have a canned answer to the follow-up questions. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I'm joined by Michael Ventura. Michael Ventura is the founder and CEO of Sub Rosa Strategy and Design Practice, and he's the author of Applied Empathy. We talk about why it's important to know the distinction between sympathy and empathy and a whole bunch of other things. I'll get to what else we talk about in a second on this episode, but first, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. The first sponsor for this episode is Meet Edgar. Meet Edgar is a social media automation tool founded in 2014 by Laura Rader, and I'm really pleased to have them as a sponsor on this program. I'll share more with you about what Meet Edgar is, what it does for me, and what it can do for you during this episode, as well as a special offer for Productivity as Podcast listeners, so stick around for that. I also want to thank our other sponsor for this episode, Text Expander. You can really unlock your productivity with Text Expander. I've been using it for years and I absolutely love it. I know you will too. I'm going to share how I use Text Expander on this episode as well as a special offer from them. So stick around for that as well. Now, on to what I talk about with Michael on this episode. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, again, the distinction between sympathy and empathy, what you can do if you want to start applying empathy even today, and why knowing the difference between the types of empathy, and he discusses those, is important. I I really enjoyed my conversation with Michael. It was a a great conversation. We could have gone on longer, and there's a lot that we could we could really have dug into. I lent the book Applied Empathy to my friend Russell Lolliker, who's got a, a great podcast called uh, The Upsell, and, and Russell's a, a great, great guy, and he went through the book, and he loved the lessons in there. I know you're going to love what we talk about on this podcast today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael Ventura here on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Michael Ventura to the Productivityist Podcast. Michael, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We just had a discussion about air dates and all that stuff. So it was, and there was a lot of serendipity around the the way that this this whole recording had been scheduled and the date the the, the dates that we chose. It was very very interesting. Um, and and when I got my hands on the the paperback of your book, because this book came out in May of twenty eighteen, right? Applied empathy. That's right. The hardcover did. The hardcover. The paperback is fairly recent. The new language of leadership. And right, right, you know, I mean, you look at the back of the book. So I'm looking at the back sleeve and uh, there's a well-known entrepreneur uh, known for his hustle, uh, but also his patience. I've seen Gary speak before and he talks about patience being something that you need to have in place too. But uh, Gary says about the book, I believe that empathy has been the most underrated characteristic of the biggest winners in society. And Michael has demonstrated an understanding and an execution around this incredible skill that I admire tremendously. Everybody should read this book. Gary Vaynerchuk said this. I've gone through the book. I need to go through it again. I need to do a deeper read because I think that empathy is one of those things that I find it. 
elusive may not be the right word, but it's not something that you can kind of, at least I find that you can kind of get the first time that you really try to understand it. Does that sound reasonable or even fair? It's absolutely right. And it's, it's something that I encounter on a multiple time a day basis, uh, talking about this topic, because what ends up happening is when people hear a word like empathy so often in the, in the cultural conversation, uh, we presuppose that our interpretation or our definition of it is the definition of it. And I think there are a lot of not so perfect definitions that kind of have gotten stuck in the, in, in the cultural zeitgeist that, uh, that needs some undoing. So it's, it's another one of those words that's in danger of being kind of corrupted, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the term busy comes up, uh, hustle. I mentioned hustle is another one that's come up that people, you know, have kind of said, this is what this means. What? Okay. So let's, let's, uh, First off, let's talk about what what you believe the the definition or what what you'd like to see people look at empathy as, and then the application of it. So, can you can you yeah. dig into that a bit? Sure. So, uh, I often like by actually starting to say what what it isn't, right? Because it isn't being nice. It isn't compassion. It isn't sympathy. Um, those are often side effects of empathy. But all too often, people equate them with empathy, and that's because. Empathy actually at a psychological level has three sub definitions. And this is where it gets confusing for people because the type of empathy that I am talking about and the type of empathy that this book delves into is one of those three. So I'll just briefly give you a lay of the land. So there's there's what's called affective empathy with an A. And affective empathy is, for lack of a better term, golden rule empathy. So I perceive that you are sad. I have been sad before myself. When I was sad, I wanted people to treat me this way. And so therefore, I treat you that way, right? And that empathy is why a lot of people believe that empathy is always about being compassionate or sympathetic or nice because that's how people want to be treated, right? And so we end up mirroring that, but, I've, but there's a folly in that type of empathy because it comes with bias, right? What if when you're sad, you want to be left alone? And what if when I'm sad, I want to talk it out and I want to, and I want to be consoled, right? So just basing it on what I want is it, it actually doesn't apply and it doesn't, it doesn't get to, to what true empathy should be about, which is about truly seeing the world from your perspective. The second type that we also don't get into in the book is somatic empathy. And that's like when a, a spouse has sympathy pains for their, for their partner when they're pregnant or something like that, right? It's, it's, it's the physical feeling of someone else's emotion or trauma. Um, the third, and this is where our work begins, is in the realm of cognitive empathy. And that is really about perspective taking, about training the muscle to step outside of yourself and to see the world from someone else's perspective. And so the way I define empathy for us and the work we do is self-aware perspective taking to gain richer and deeper understanding. Okay, so this is going to lead me down a whole path of questioning regarding what I do with coaching, with productivity as coaching and, and time crafting. So um, people who follow my work for a while know that I talk about time crafting. There's elements of it like theming your time and mode-based work and all that stuff. But specifically, I'm going to focus on th daily theming as, as an example. So in my, because I, I'm self-employed and because I run my own business, I can give each day a, a theme and I can make it my overarching focus. That's what it means. So today, as we're recording, this is my listening day. And what falls into the overarching focus of listening is doing interviews for, for this podcast. Uh, when I'm coaching others 
and I try to introduce them to the idea of theming their time, specifically daily theming, and I'm going to talk about when I initially started, I think I've gotten better at this, is I've always been like, oh, well, of course you can daily theme. You do it already, and I've done this in talks where I say, hey, you know, on Saturdays is when you, I kind of lead people down that path of saying, look, you can do it. But sometimes I've 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 had a hard time relating to the nine to five worker who's got this dynamic schedule that doesn't necessarily have control over that. So how does someone that is trying to, you know, help or nurture or or um, advise uh, uh, someone that may not be in the same situation and has to look at things from a different vantage point? How does someone kind of apply that that idea of cognitive empathy that you're that you're talking about? Because that's something I've struggled with. Mm -hmm. One of the first and easy is kind of like a, a, a gotcha word maybe for this because it will sound easy because it's a simple thing we do every day, but um, doing it well takes practice is, um, is, is really practicing inquiry and listening. And so anyone can ask good questions or maybe not anyone, but it is, it is possible to ask good questions. But the problem is that even though we might ask a good question, often we are not attuned to appropriately listening to the answer. And so people are often planning what they want to say next after they ask a question, not necessarily really zeroing in on what someone cares about or, the, or their response to that, to that question. And so one of the first things we talk to people about is you have to get really comfortable asking questions and sitting in the space of that response, really tuning into what people are actually saying, seeing what the follow-up question is. It starts to become a game, right? It starts to become something that you can you can engage your, your cognitive mind to almost be uh, investigative in some way, right? Someone gives you an answer. Well, why is that the case? When did that first start? What makes you feel that way? You know, those follow-up questions are so critical because that's what starts to unlock the real perspective. Because I could say to someone, you know, tell me about a time you failed. And they can give me their quick two, three-sentence answer that they've probably had before because it's a pretty standard question you get asked in an interview or something like that, right? So people, everyone's got that canned answer. But they don't always have a canned answer to the follow-up questions. Tell me more about that. What happened? How did it make you feel? What did you change about yourself? Have you changed anything about yourself? Right? Like those questions all of a sudden start to unlock who this person really is and what makes them tick and what are they learning about themselves and how are they growing and evolving and changing? So I think while it is easy to say, ask questions and be a good listener, it's hard to do well consistently. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the show now to talk about one of our sponsors. And when we come back, 
I'm going to talk a bit about Gary Vaynerchuk and what he brings to the table in terms of empathy and that virtue that you need to have. And, and Michael agrees with me. But first, let's talk about Meet Edgar. Meet Edgar is a social media automation tool, and it was founded in 2014 by someone who I had the pleasure of meeting at the World Domination Summit a few years ago, Laura Rader. Now, Meet Edgar helps you amplify your presence and message across multiple social networks. You can sync Meet Edgar with Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can connect with your audience where they are when they're there. I've used Meet Edgar for a while. I'm actually back into it now as well. I'm digging in deeper because I'm no longer uh, working with an assistant. Right now, it's just me, myself, and I, and I'm doing all this stuff. And Meet Edgar makes it easier for me. One of the big reasons is Meet Edgar's unique category-based scheduler saves me a ton of time, and it can do the same for you. You can keep your feeds active and post the right content to the right network at the optimal time. And you know me, I'm all about doing the right things at the right time and meet edgar allows me to do that with social media posts you can maximize the reach of every piece of content and edgar's unique suggested variation turns a single blog post or your podcast episode like this one into five unique social posts that is the show notes from each podcast episode and i'm doing those as well uh, and you can do that with a single click it's never been easier to up your social media output five times easily uh, and reach more people. Um, if you've got a blog like I do, a podcast like I do, you're listening to it now, or even a YouTube channel RSS feed, which I also have, and I'm going to be digging more into YouTube as my monthly theme in October, you can hook that up to Meet Edgar to automatically pull in your latest content and then add it to your social sharing queue. Now, once you sign up, you'll get an Edgar onboarding coach. You'll get access to that person and live social media marketing office hours, which are really important and a ton of educational courses to help you shine on social. I'm using those as we speak. I'm into that now because I'm getting reacquainted with Meet Edgar. I've used it before. I'm back into it again and I couldn't be happier. And I encourage you to check out what Meet Edgar has to offer. You can head on over to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the code timecrafting to get an incredible offer. It's an extended 60-day free trial. That's two months of Meet Edgar. All you need to do is go to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and make that happen now. Use the code timecrafting when you get there and you get an extended 60-day free trial of Meet Edgar. Join me on my Meet Edgar journey and I, I, I know you'll get a lot out of it. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you energy. And you're going to be able to get more done with Meet Edgar. I'd like to thank Meet Edgar for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. So right off the top, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. And I talked about the hustle. But I also mentioned that he's talked recently, especially at a conference I was at, about patience. Sounds like patience is one of the things that you need to have in your toolkit to, to make this work. But I think it's one of the things that people find in short supply in a world that's moving so frenetically. Absolutely. There's, I think there's two builds on that. One is people like to jump to the solution, right? People don't like sitting in the ambiguity, especially in the, in the fast-paced business world that we live in. Someone tells us they have a problem. Our, our knee-jerk reaction is to just quickly offer the solution, right? As opposed to saying, wow, what, why is this a problem? And is this really the root problem? Or is this, the, is this, a, is this a side effect of the actual problem, right? And, and spending the time to do that work because it does take patience and it does take time to do it. The other thing about it that I think is interesting is that 
I have found that when you practice empathy, it slows things down for a period of time. And you do have to bring patience to bear in order to get through that. But then things speed up because it starts to become second nature. You're not getting caught in the, um, the, the thinking about how to practice it. You've been training that muscle enough that it has become second nature. It's become part of your, your way of being. And, and that's why we say new language of leadership, because as you get into that state of operating with it, it actually, your operating system changes a bit and you start to be able to, to use it more deftly, more diversely, more, uh, uh, more regularly, uh, with comfort. When did you realize that this was something that maybe either A, I'll go two ways with this, A, that you needed to work on yourself or B, that you could help other people with? So same answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of figured, but let's, let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So I have been running my own business since I was 23 years old. And so when we started this business, I was... Uh, in the post.com bubble. And so brands were coming to us, talking with us about how do we use social media? How do we engage with consumers in an authentic way online? Uh, how do we reach people your age, essentially? And so our job, as, as you know, I say with all the, the quote fingers in the air that I can muster, you know, our job as consultants, as, you know, as 23-year-old consultants, was um, basically helping brands figure out how to, how to behave in a digital space like a human, because, you know, there were these existential conversations we were having with a brand where, you know, when we respond on Twitter, are we responding as, you know, as the brand? Are we responding as, you know, as this isn't, this wasn't a conversation with Nike, but let's use Nike. Are we responding as Nike? Are we responding as Phil Knight? Am I responding as, you know, Joe from marketing who lives, to, who, who's down the hall and is going to be handling this? Like, whose voice is this? And it was these existential early moments for brands because they had never had a two-way conversation. They were never live with a consumer, but for the retail experience. And so as that at the retail, you always know it's, it's the retail sales representative or whatever. There's no one ever standing there saying, hi, I'm, I'm Nike. Right. So, so when you get into Twitter and you get into Facebook or at that time, Friendster and MySpace and places like that, people were worried about like, how do we represent ourselves? And so we started to see this need for understanding. We started to see this need for them to understand brands, to understand consumers and what consumers expect of them and what they don't expect of them. And then in the inverse, how it should, how it should go the other direction too. And so we started to offer some solutions for that and the business started to evolve. And I realized for myself as a leader and as someone who was building a team that I wasn't taking the time to do this sort of work with my own team. We were jumping to conclusions too quickly. We were presupposing we had all the answers. We were high on our own supply. And so it was important for us to, at some point, take a step back and say, what are we really practicing here? And what is the, what is the most fundamental skill in this organization that we need to refine if we're going to do our job well? And eventually that led us to empathy. You mentioned time as a, as a key component too. And obviously we're talking about time on this podcast a bit. Um, why do you think that, I mean, up until, uh, this is not something I think people and companies have taken a lot of time to foster or nurture. It's, you know, cause there's no, there doesn't seem to be an immediate ROI on it, right? There doesn't seem to be this like, okay, well, if we do this, then the bottom line is going to increase by X, Y, or, or, or Z. Uh, 
how important is it for people to take time to learn this new language and start to apply empathy, both in businesses, like if they're running large businesses, but also, I mean, frankly, I think in, in your personal lives as well. Yeah, there's there's a couple answers to that. I think there are in this in this world of of competition for market share and competition for talent the choices now are almost nearly infinite right there are there are tons of there are tons of competitors you could switch brands for pretty much anything and get and get a, a different version of it so really what you're looking for is connection you're looking for understanding this brand understands me right um and in the, and the same is true with talent right there the 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 competition for top talent inside organizations is steeper than it's ever been and the perks that you'll get in some places can you know trump the offer you get from someone else or the cultural fit in one place might trump the you know the dollar value of the offer you got from someone else the the, the complexity of what a, what a, an individual goes through in choosing where they want to work is much greater than it used to be and people change jobs more regularly too so one of the first places we point out for clients that they will see an, an almost near immediate Immediate effect once this starts to permeate the culture of the organization is in the recruitment and retention of talent. And that's actually a pretty quantifiable, measurable thing. Once you start bringing empathy into the into the, the fabric of an organization, the ability of that organization to be a listening culture, to be an inquiring, uh, to, to have the sense of inquiry that they can actually understand what their team needs and what their customers need, lead to better retention and better recruitment for sure. The knock-on effect of that is you start to have better talent staying longer, which make better solutions for your clients, be that products or services, because you're keeping the best people. Right. So then on the, the, the medium tail, I won't say it's the long tail of this. Right. But on the medium tail, you start to see that uh, the um, NPS scores for brands go up or that um, the the uh, the adoption of uh, a new feature that you launch is higher because it's more empathic and it was designed with the with the user in mind. Right. So you start to see how product starts to get infused with that same behavior because you've infused your talent with it. And so that's sort of the, the, the way this plays out over time is that once you start with people and you start with your culture, and I believe, and this is, I, I can never remember who said it first, but I, I, I read it a while ago and it's always stuck with me. Um, culture is read only, right? You can't go into the document of an organization's culture and rewrite it and then now it's true. You have to change everything around culture. You have to change the people. You have to change the way you work. You have to change the way you talk to your customers. You have to change all of those things, and then the culture changes, right? So I look at it as if you start with the people and you start to retain better people and recruit better people, that has a really significant knock-on effect to the products and services you create, the customer satisfaction you engender, the the market value of your organization to shareholders or to investors or whomever. You know, These things are all bred out of that, that fundamental starting place. I want to circle back to the idea of sympathy versus empathy, because I think that's where people, a lot of people get confused. Um, I know it's kind of like the idea of libel versus slander. It's like, which one is which again? Like which one, which one's <laughs> written, which one's how, what's an easy or a simple way? Cause I don't think it's easy until, like you said, until it's kind of ingrained for people to understand the difference between the two, because I think that the effect of both are very, can be, can be very different. 
So the way I often think about it is, is that sympathy is a step after empathy. So empathy is about understanding, right? I can understand where you're coming from, but it doesn't put any of my emotion into it. Usually what happens with sympathy is sympathy is synonymous with commiseration or pity or condolence, right? And so that's, that's me now inserting myself into that understanding. Gotcha. And it can also create status around it too, I would imagine. Absolutely. Okay, it's time for our second break to talk about another sponsor for this episode. When we come back, I'm going to talk with Michael about what he does when organizations are struggling with adopting and applying empathy. But first, let's talk about Text Expander. I've been using Text Expander for years and I absolutely love it. You can make everything you write repetitively available everywhere you type text documents, spreadsheets, web forms, and more. And now that I'm writing my own show notes, all of the headers, all of the bullet points, I can use the fill ins for that. Everything is already templated inside of Text Expander. So that way I can keep my show notes consistent and you can keep your message consistent, whether it's show notes or emails. You can also keep them accurate. So that way there's there's not going to be any spelling errors or anything like that. And trust me, when you've got the word productivityist in your work, making sure that you spell it correctly is paramount. You can also make sure that everything is up to date by sharing snippets with your coworkers. Now, I'm working on my own right now, but I have used Text Expander for Teams before. When I was working with assistants, I was able to share all of the snippets that they were going to need easily, and it really makes it easy to organize snippets for support, customer service, and other departments. But here's the thing, is I still have all those snippets. They're individualized for me right now, but when I bring on another team member, all I need to do is share it with them and they're good to go. I'm going to give my team members the snippets that they need and no more and no less. You can turn your snippets into forms with fill-ins. I've done this with show notes and pop-up fields. I do this with podcast guests. We are booked well in advance, so I'm able to say to anyone who wants to be on the show or people that have asked to be interviewed, I can say, hey, look, we're booked up until this date and the pop-up field shows up and I can actually put that in there. But I can also use these emails to uh, have fill-ins for things that I want to personalize a bit. So that way, I'm keeping the repetitive stuff in text expander already written, but then I can personalize it a bit with these fill-in options. You can have optional text blocks as well, autofill dates. Those are really important. I use that actually with my coaching clients. You can have times and graphics, so much more. Text Expander is available for a wide variety of platforms, Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. When I'm on the road, having it for iOS is a godsend. And Again, with these show notes, now that I'm doing it on my own, I'm able to use that both on iOS and on my Mac. It's fantastic. And actually, I'm writing my show notes in Chrome, and I've been using it inside of Chrome. Again, it's it's flawless. I want you to experience what Text Expander has to offer. It can unlock your productivity, and I want you to have that happen for you. So just visit textexpander.com slash podcast, and you can get 20% off of your first year. You can actually go to the drop-down menu when you go to that link and choose that you've heard about Text Expander on the Productivity is Podcast and make that happen. So again, textexpander.com slash podcast, you'll get 20% off of your first year. You'll save time and energy and attention and so much more with Text Expander. I strongly encourage you to give it a try. You will not be disappointed. In fact, you'll be thrilled. I'd like to thank Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of the Productivities Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so let's say you're working with an organization that is struggling with that 
uh, and it's hierarchical. So they're struggling with the idea of, of adopting you know, and applying empathy. Uh, because, I mean, again, you've got different people, you know, you, you talked about the culture is read only, you've got different people with different biases. How do you and, and you know, how do you go in there? How do you help people? Um, or how can they help themselves but internally, maybe say, okay, look, this is how we can start to foster empathy from within our organization so that the biases are are, are maybe not um, completely obliterated because we're human, right? But they are they are more susceptible to being um, over overcome. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the first things we have to do is to understand what the what the root causes of these challenges might be, right? So wh where where did the culture go awry? Is it top-down leadership? Is it that, um, you know, so we were with an organization not too long ago that actually their challenge was not at the top. The top of the organization really believed in and practiced empathy, but it was this um, sort of senior manager level of the organization that had too much pressure on it from above and below to find that going back to the theme of today, the time to really practice empathy because they had to manage up, they had to manage down, they had to get their own job done, they had to have their peers who were, you know, competing for the same promotion that they were competing for, um, make sure that they, you know, that they knew they had one leg up on, like, you know, it, it was this um, pinch point in the hierarchy of the organization where all the problems were, uh, were growing from. And it frankly wasn't their fault but it but they were the they were the the they were burdened with it and so what we had to do then was really once we identified where the root of this was then we had to root it out well what are we going to do differently with our managers do we need to train them differently? Probably. So we created some new trainings. Do we need to incentivize them differently? Yes. And we actually took a, a look at their performance evaluation criteria and reevaluated it and said, there are some other things that need to be in this. And we need to make sure that when they're reviewed for a promotion or a bonus at the end of the year, that they are, that the yardstick includes some aspects of empathy, you know, and that they're rated by their direct reports and that their direct reports say whether or not they felt that the, this person was taking the time to really understand them, right? So, and the list goes on. The 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 ways of the towards a more empathic culture have to start with where the root causes are. You know, it's the same thing. Like if you go to a doctor and you tell the doctor my knee hurts, they don't jump right into well. There's five different surgeries we can do to help fix your knee. They're going to do some X-rays. They're going to do some CAT scans, and what they might find is actually you've you've got a bum ankle. And your ankle's throwing off your knee's alignment, right? And so actually the root cause isn't going to be the knee. The knee's, the knee's just where it's showing up. Now, right now I'm on the road and my knee isn't hurting. It's absolutely fine. Uh, my ears are burning a little because uh, people are listening to my podcast, both this current episode as well as things in the archives. But there are lots of productivity podcasts to listen to out there, and I listen to a ton of them. Uh, one of the ones that's been a staple in my overcast queue for a long time is Eric Fisher's Beyond the To-Do List. Now, if you're listening to the show, there's a good chance you're already listening to Eric's podcast because there's a lot of crossover. Make no mistake, Eric and I love to talk to the same people, and more importantly, we love to talk about productivity. We actually chat quite regularly, just privately, about the guests that we're going to have and the approaches that we're going to take, but 
you know, the great thing about that is that Eric will do things on his show that I won't necessarily do on mine and vice versa. So even if you've heard the same guest on my show that he has on his, you're going to get a completely different interview. You're going to get a different take. But our enthusiasm and our, 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 our fervor, there you go, fervor for productivity is, is incredible. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you're going to have another productivity podcast in your queue that's related specifically to productivity, you can't, you can't beat Beyond the To-Do List. So I encourage you to check out Eric Fisher's Beyond the To-Do List. It's been going strong for a long time. And again, the great thing about Eric too is he's focused solely on the podcast. There's no other things that he's really doing in terms of, if he's not blogging, he's not doing videos yet. I can't wait till he does, but the podcast is what he does and he does it so well. So I encourage you to subscribe to Beyond the To-Do List. I've appeared on the show a few times, so go back and look at some of those episodes. He's had some great guests and he'll have great guests going forward. So check out his podcast, Beyond the To-Do List by Eric Fisher. It's one I highly recommend and I encourage you to check it out today. Let's talk more about that, that, that where the blind spots, right? The idea of, I mean, it's funny, I, I've been uh, been doing more exercise lately and I was having some problems in my lower back area, like my hip. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like you said, it's like, oh, it's really your hamstrings. That's what's doing this here. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Because your body is great. At, he said, your body is great at telling you you have pain, but it's terrible at telling you where it's actually originally coming from. It just is, right. this is where, yeah. so it's an, it's an exceptional compensator. Right. And and I think that's, and, and I think organizations are too. Right. Now let's talk about doing this maybe in, in a, cause I know you go to organizations to do this, but how does a person do this? Because I think this isn't just something that I think empathy is one of those, especially in a world that is moving so quickly and people often just want to know that they're not alone. Right. You know, that they're, that they're all like, we're all in this together kind of thing. Right. You know, the, the pace of the world is faster and fast. It's not slowing down anytime soon. How can um, how can someone just on their own take that stuff that they're learning either within an organization or from this book um, and and do this on a personal level, like with their family or with yep. or with their friends and peers? So one of the one of the frameworks, strategists love frameworks. We have it's a sickness of ours. And so one of the one of, one of the things that we developed in this was a framework we refer to as the whole self. And so what ends up happening most of the time with people is that you look at facets of yourself and assume the whole, right? You look at your body and you assume health. Right. Like my, if my body feels good, then I'm healthy. Right. But you might actually have uh, something that isn't physically manifesting. You know, you might have stress, you might have insomnia, you might have something else. Right. So so we may look at our body and, and, and make a uh, and leap to a conclusion. And so what we did was map out what we found to be seven different facets of the self. Right. So the physical body is one. The emotional is another. The inspired is another. The community, the mindful, the aspirational, the intellectual, all these different selves. Right. And so we developed a set of exercises that said, look, if you can't have empathy for yourself, you're going to have a very hard time exhibiting it for someone else. So let's start where where you have the most time, which is you don't spend any time. You don't spend more time with anyone other other than yourself. Right. You're with yourself 24 hours a day. So there's always an opportunity in a down moment to contemplate this a little bit and to think about it. And so I'll give you a good example. We were in a room a couple weeks ago with a team of about 40 people. And I said, 
Okay, everyone sit up nice and comfortable in your chair. I want you to take a slow, deep breath. Inhale through your nose, get to the top of your breath, hold it for a couple seconds, and make your exhale longer than your inhale. And they all take this nice, big, thorough breath. And I say, great. When is the last time you took a breath like that? Write it down. The longest was someone wrote down probably over three years. Okay? And what we realized in that moment is as this team and the culture inside this organization had been so fast paced that basically people were just, their bodies were, were basically just Ubers moving their mouths and brains from one meeting room to another meeting room inside their organization. There was no real attention for their body, what they were putting in it, how they were breathing, how they were taking care of it. And that's a, that's a facet we have to tune into. Some people might have a great sense of health and well-being and, and physicality. We were with a nonprofit a few months ago, and uh, it was a room of 100 people who all worked at this organization. And it's a, it's, a, it's a cause that is deep and emotional for many people. I'll keep their anonymity out of uh, in this, but, but you know, the, it, it's a cause that has a lot of heaviness that they bear the burden of as an organization. And I said, everyone close your eyes and think of the most common emotion you feel when you come to work every day. And everyone kind of tunes into it. Okay. Now, keep your eyes closed. Raise your hands if it's a negative emotion, if it's an emotion you don't want to feel. And I looked around the room, and I would say 90% of the room had their hand up. And I said, keep your hands up. Now open your eyes. And they look around, and they realize, oh, this isn't a me problem. This is an us problem. Now we have a common enemy. Now we have a thing we can all solve together. No one feels good coming into work every day. It's not just me. What are we going to do to change that? Let's lock arms. Let's do this differently, right? So the physical and the emotional and all of these different selves that we can tune into and start to understand about what's going on in our interior world can start to provide really valuable insight and input into how we show up in our exterior world. Michael, I got one more question before we wrap up, but that's phenomenal because I think that, that, that again, that idea of knowing that you're not alone is really, really important. Mm-hmm. If if someone wants to learn how to apply empathy um, and they're like, you know, I really want to do this. I know that, I mean, I was telling you before we, uh, when I originally received the, uh, the book, I think the day I received the book was the day that I was watching Brene Brown's Netflix special. <laughs> so it was not like, um, got you surrounded. yeah, exactly. It's uh, empathy everywhere. Um, maybe that's the title of the podcast episode. Anyway, uh, how, what's something that someone can do, uh, a simple step that they can take to start to apply empathy today? Ask a hard question you don't want to know the answer to. It could be for yourself. It could be for someone else. But take the time to think of what is the question I'm avoiding asking because it's probably going to lead to like more work right? Oh, if they tell me this is what they think it is, then all of a sudden we've got to retool this product or we've got to change the way we evaluate our teams or we, I've got to you know, skill up in a certain way because I've got a gap that I've been ignoring, right? Ask the hard question and be willing to hear the answer. That's great. And uh, everyone that's listening to this right now, yes, that's you. You got to do that. So uh, Michael, where can people pick up the book and where can they learn more about you and your work? Appliedempathy.com. There you go. Thanks again, Michael, for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast. Thanks for having me. 
Big thanks to Michael Ventura for joining me on the podcast today. If you want to catch all the show notes and all the talking points and relevant links and everything like that, go to productivityist.com slash podcast 261 to make that happen now, and you can get everything that you need there. Again, thanks to Michael for joining me on the show. I encourage you to try to apply empathy and pick up his book. Again, you can get the link to that in the show notes. I want to thank our sponsors for this episode of the show. Meet Edgar. Again, Again, I want you to take advantage of that extended 60-day free trial. So head on over to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the promo code timecrafting to make that happen. I also want to thank Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you want 20% off of your first year of Text Expander, visit textexpander.com slash podcast and you're on your way. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you gave it a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to the show. It just really helps people find the show. And not only that, I actually look at all the comments, the ratings, the reviews, so I can make the show better. Yep, I'm a one-man army at this point, but I do all of that because the podcast is important to me and I wanna make sure that it's important to you as well. And making it better is one of my big goals going forward. So again, leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And subscribe to the show. If you this is your first time listening, I'd love it if you subscribe to the show. There's over 260 episodes now that have been produced of, you know, of this podcast. A lot of great episodes in the can and a lot more to come. So check out the podcast, subscribe to it, and you can go back and listen to the back catalog. There's lots of great episodes there and I've got a lot more to come. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. That's it for now. Until next time, I'm Mike Barty, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. I'll see you later.